Episode 10, The Paul George Show, welcome Sean Forrest. So we were there at a cornfield and we started praying and we're like, we're going to put up an orphanage here in the middle of the hills in Haiti. And we're like, we don't know how, but we're going to do that. So we just started fundraising. I started doing concerts, started going crazy trying to get it. And man, lo and behold, the orphanage went up. The Paul George Show. Welcome to The Paul George Show, talking celebrity lookalikes, the poor, and jaws that will cut you. Co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. Here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the show. It's Paul George in studio with Casey Trahan, the big CT man. Still trying to come up with a nickname for you. Keep trying. <laughs> and that, that one doesn't work? I don't, do you think it works? PG, the big PG? <laughs> I actually like it, but uh, you're, you're right. I, I need to keep keep trying one a week. You'll get it sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, so how's it going, man? It's going. Fall weather, starting to change a little bit. I have a jacket on today. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Did you dress like a potato yet? It, it's not Halloween yet, so no. Oh, so you're actually dressing up on Halloween. Yeah. I didn't like preemptively strike uh Well, a some Mr. people potato have head. these pre-Halloween parties. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Definitely uh next Monday night, Halloween night, Casey will be a potato. This is just, please, please post pictures. Of course. Yeah. I got you. I could cut you open and make you a baked potato. Ew. You want to go there? No, is no. That, is that where you want to go with the show? <laughs> no, not really. Anyway, Casey, did you see this, man? I was fascinated by this article, but uh, part of it's sad, but it's a good ending. Okay, so don't don't like... Write you off, okay. Don't write me off or think that I'm a bad person by bringing this up. But So this kid, high school kid, uh, is playing soccer. He gets kicked in the head and gets put in a coma. So that's sad. Yeah. It was bad. So he's in a coma, which he came out of the coma. Okay, so thank God there. Well, when he comes out of the coma, he's speaking fluent Spanish. He's never spoken Spanish before in his life. <laughs> Wait, I got to digest this. So it's an American kid? Yeah, an American kid. American this kid. This is in the United States. It, okay, there has to be more to this article. Is there any kind of explanation as to... No, there's no like scientific explanation. I was reading about it. Now, he did have friends at school who would like speak Spanish to him, but he didn't understand a word that they said. <laughs> Never could speak it on his own or translate it. So he's in a coma, and I don't know if his brain just put it all together when he woke up. I mean, just rattling off fluent Spanish. That's like comic book stuff. This is fascinating to me. I mean, seriously, maybe it's so fascinating to me because, one, I've always wanted to speak another language fluently, to be bilingual. Yeah, well, see, that's the kicker, bilingual. If you just switch languages, you're not bilingual. Well, you're he just sololingual speak, in another Right, <laughs> but he could still speak English. Oh, could he? Yeah, but but he was speaking fluent Spanish. It was just what? rattling off. Yeah. That's amazing. That's I like know. That's like... Uh, a hundred thousand dollars worth of coma right there because that's a college you know education it you know, is new language i mean i studied other languages i was horrible at them this would be the only way i would ever learn another language is like let's put paul in a coma and wake him up and maybe maybe he'll have a chance paul i'm asking you this as your friend and co-host and producer okay would you like me to kick you in the head <laughs> Uh, if I was a potato, yes. If I was a potato, you could kick me in the head. Let the joke go. Okay, so Casey, here's a question. Uh, if you could speak another language, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. 
How about Navi? I'm just gonna throw that one out there. Navi? Yeah, she's an African language. No, no, that's um, that's the language that they speak on Avatar. You just went nerd fest, bro. <laughs> Fluent Navi. Fluent or like, Navi. Or like the dwarven. Um, you know Lord where that would get you in life? Nowhere. 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 I, I would have satisfaction with myself. Well, that's what's important. If that's the case. But you wouldn't land a job. Hey, on his application, he speaks Navi. You, you don't Let's know. Let's hire him. No, no, no. You don't know the internet very well, Paul. Well, if you wanted to go work at Comic-Con or something like that, you could probably get a job dressed as a, I don't know. Navi speaking potato. I knew that's where you go. <laughs> How'd you know? All right. So, uh, so yeah, if I could speak another language, it would be, it would be Latin. So you don't speak Latin currently? I don't speak Latin I currently. thought all you masters in theology guys spoke Latin fluently. No, our second language is philosophy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Spoken in English. But did you see this? There's actually, you know, the Adele song that became enormously famous overnight, the Hello song, mm-hmm. right? Hello. Yeah, that one. Not the Lionel Richie one, the Adele one. Yeah, yeah. the Adele okay. one. Uh, so there's, there's, a, there's a guy seriously, 100%, Serious singing the Adele song, "Hello" in Latin. Okay, let me let me pull this up. So wait, what is this? Yeah, so he's he's singing the song in Latin, hundred percent. Okay, you gotta move on. All yeah, right, you gotta. Me, can me, you pull this up? Yeah, let me play it for you in just a second. All right. So he's uh, he's seriously singing it. Um, it's okay. amazing to me. So it's Keith, hysterical. Keith Macy. Yes. All right, Keith. Let's see what you got. It says a Latin language cover. All right, so you hear the two. We're ready. Night. Salve. So go. That's Latin, by the way. Mirabarsi tibi convenire postos anos placere. He doesn't have a bad voice. He looks like Matt Marr's second cousin. It really does. I think I'm going to send it to Matt. This is amazing. Can we make it to the course? Because this is great. Or you can fast forward it. But so. It's almost there. No, skip. Almost skip. Now, the thing is, on the video, um, he looks like he's, you know, Christian, religious, maybe even Catholic. He's got some he's icons on, on the wall yeah. in the back. Who else knows Latin besides Catholics? Well, I don't know. I mean, he's a professor. So, I mean, people do teach Latin. Yeah, but, I mean, in this day and age, I'd, I'd be willing to bet he's at some Catholic university or some obscure Catholic high school teaching. I'll look him up. We'll see. Okay. So, did you see in the news... Um, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, the two presidential candidates, at least the front runners, of course, uh, in the two main parties, were at dinner with Cardinal Dolan, the Al Smith dinner. Okay, yeah, I did see this. I'm trying to bridge the gap between the Latin guy and the Al Smith dinner. Well, Cardinal Dolan speaks Latin. Good enough. Uh, And so uh, this famously, uh, they're at dinner, but they're at the same table. Right, yeah. Which, by the way, uh, hats off to me. I met Cardinal Dolan. Oh, well, good for you, Paul. Shook his hand, gave him a hug. Uh, I met Bill Clinton, didn't shake his head, 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 (laughs) did not give him a hug, but I met him. Uh, So anyway, uh, Cardinal Dolan is is really great. Yeah, so he was like in the middle of them. Yeah, he's in the middle. On each side of him, one's Donald Trump and one's Hillary Clinton, which it just seemed like an awkward moment, an awkward dinner. But I was reading an article that said um, that he actually prayed with him Prayed at the table with him, uh, nice you know. Gesture. So, 
hopefully he's, you know, being Christ to the world. It was just an image of just, you know, here's a cardinal there being Christ to the world. Now, some people just think this is some random dinner. The Al Smith dinner is actually a fundraiser for Catholic charities in the Archdiocese of New York. I forget the it was the guy's name Al Smith. Yeah, he was like the first Catholic candidate for a major party. Yeah. from what I remember, I don't to run the for date. president. Yeah. yeah, he didn't win, obviously, but um, so that the tradition is they have this dinner every year, and the presidential candidates come and they roast each other. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's this roasting, and it's fun. It's supposed to be lighthearted, um, and then there's Coldner Dolan, you know, sitting between these two candidates, um, and it's just absolutely. Hysterical. So here's a question for you. If you could have anybody sitting at a, a table with you, dead or alive? Dead or alive. Dead or alive. Two people. Who would you pick? And it can't be Jesus. Okay. One would be Teddy Roosevelt because I So just, you're going presidential well, candidates. No, no. Okay, so Teddy not, Roosevelt. Not Teddy Roosevelt because the, the man was awesome. And to counter that, to have an interesting conversation... We'll go with Margaret Thatcher. Really? Because I want to see the two of those people talk to each other. Huh. That's interesting. That's like high political philosophy right there. Casey B in heaven. Huh. Yeah, I know I wasn't going where you thought I was going with that. No, but not at all. You asked me a question. And I no, answered. not at all. That, I, I thought it was a great. That's a great <laughs> answer. You didn't even have time to think about it. So what about you? You've had time to think about this. Who do you want with you? How do you know I've had time to think about because it? Because you you got the question. You've had time to think about it. Okay, so I'm I'm just going Catholic nerd fest here. All right, so I'm going with the best politician I think that's ever walked, Mother Teresa. Okay. I mean, she straight up just would put people in their place right. politically. Um, the way she handled things, the way she spoke in truth, uh, fascinating to me. Her one line to Hillary Clinton years and years ago. At the uh, breakfast. At the breakfast when Hillary asked if there would ever be a woman president and Mother Teresa said she's probably been murdered by abortion was just literally the one-liner that that will crush you. Um, And then I would have the great philosopher, JP2, the saint, on the other side. Now, at the rest of the table, we can get in that conversation later, but we have a wonderful show today. Uh, So you know how this Al Smith dinner raises $6 million for Catholic charities. Insane. I'm still kind of stuck on the fact that you make me look like a heathen over here because, of course, you're going to say Mother Teresa and John Paul II. (laughs) Well, I'd just say it if if I had to sit with someone. And Cardinal Dolan, he can have a seat. Right. Yeah. So this this charity raises $6 million. $6 million for... People just buy a $50,000 plate of dinner or something? Well, it's become so big and these huge politicians. Of course, you've got the presidential candidates there. Um, Yeah, I mean, it, and it goes all to helping the needy in the Archdiocese of New York, which is fascinating to me that in the midst of all this political chaos and race and, you know, competition that people would stop and support something that's really, 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 really important. Mm-hmm. And that's helping the poor, which we're actually going to talk about later in the show. A guy named Sean Forrest is coming on the show. He's a national speaker, musician, evangelist all over the world. Um, but he also uh, has an incredible mission in a third world country. And we're going to bring that up and talk about it. So Sean Forrest next It'll be a fascinating interview. We'll be right back. It's Paul George show.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show on Breadbox Media. We will hear from our guest, Sean Forrest. Here's your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today. As promised, have a wonderful guest all the way from Boise, Idaho, Mr. Sean Forrest. Sean, what's going on, man? Yeah, I'm looking out my bedroom window at the foothills here out in Idaho, and it's absolutely gorgeous. There's deer, there's elk out there. It's just, man, I'm out where the buffalo roam, dude. I think you're the only person I know from Boise, Idaho. Of course, the population's what, five? Well, five and a half. There's a... And, and you're two of those. <laughs> I'm two. <laughs> you're two of my those My left people. arm is one, my right arm is the other. <laughs> yeah, so I'm talking to Sean Forrest, Haiti180.com, and your Twitter, ha- Twitter handle is at RealSeanForrest. Is, is there not a, is there a fake one out there, Sean? There's a couple. There's a couple imposters. So, so when you went to do your Twitter handle, were you like, I'm the real Sean Forrest? Like, how'd you decide? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Sean Forrest is taking me. I can't believe that somebody named their child Sean Forrest, knowing that there's already a Sean Forrest in the world. But <laughs> exactly. something. And it was either real Sean Forrest or, like, Sean Forrest 2003-9625, you know? Right. No, I love it, man. So you can find Sean there at uh, Haiti180.com, which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. But, Sean, you travel all over the world, the country, playing music, uh, giving talks, preaching the gospel. Um, You're going through an airport with a guitar, or whether it's somebody you don't know or somebody you do know around home. Who do do people mostly mistake you for when they look at you? Often, Leah Darrell with her hair up. Um, (laughs) Very, very often. <laughs> like, Leah, could you talk about like, no, Sean, Sean? I think uh, one of your arms is bigger than Leah. <laughs> That's probably true. God bless her. No, uh, I, I get told that I look like Ron Perlman. Who's that? With, without the exaggerated forehead. He plays Hellboy. Oh, gotcha. So, so like you ride a motorcycle or look like you ride a motorcycle. Right. I get told I look like him. I get told I look like, um, oh man, I just, I can't, uh, Kurt Schilling. That, that's true. And, then I, and, and I was told John Travolta, old John Travolta, not young John Travolta. Well, on your, um, on your website, uh, you're wearing um, a leather jacket, so you do kind of look like Travolta there. Can I tell you who I think you look like? Yes. Okay, so I, I think you're a mixture <laughs> <laughs> you know this is going to be bad when somebody says okay first before they want to tell you what you look like okay yeah. sit down for this get ready yeah so I think you're a mixture of Biff from Back to the Future do you remember Biff? dude yeah I'll tell you that's interesting you say that alright go ahead yeah and um, the Fonz from Happy Days dude those are two awesome people I love it man. I know I told you man I think you're great so anyway, talking this, to Sean Forrest. By the way, you just really dated yourself, but that's cool. I dated you as well. So, Sean, <laughs> you have an interesting story. You got you, you and I have talked and been knowing each other for a long time, but um, you weren't always traveling around the country doing Catholic and Christian music. Uh, what happened? What changed for you? I, um, well, I was in the United States when I was young. You know, I, I uh, like around 12, I had this conversion experience. I was pretty powerful, believe it or not. And uh, so I was really in my faith, but then I learned to play the guitar, and then I learned that by playing the guitar, people would pay me, and then I learned that by playing the guitar, they'd pay me and give me free drinks by the time I was a senior in high school, and 
And I found that once you could play the guitar and people gave you free drinks, that girls just really dug that. So I kind of left everything to be a bar musician. And, and I just became one of those people like, I'm a good guy. Everybody goes to heaven, I'm a good guy. And then, you know, I convinced myself of that. So once you convince yourself you're going to heaven, it's easier to start doing more and more diabolical things because uh, you're a good guy, you know? So I just really lost my way, playing out in the clubs, started making more money, started performing for celebrities. And um, I just got caught up in that whole world. Uh, so, like, didn't really have a strong foundation. You know, I was kind of like that seed that grew up real fast, but it didn't have any root. Right. I just got scorched. That was me. So, so you're. Like, so you know, you're. I had a priest call me out. I'm sorry. What's that, bro? Yeah. So you're uh, playing secular music in bars for celebrities. Uh, you're a good guy. So and, and you're just justifying your behavior at this point, right? Absolutely. You know, because I mean, you know, everybody's accountable for themselves. You know, but I, we are kind of accountable for each other. It's in the Catholic view. But back then, it's just like, hey, it's my world. I'm not hurting anybody, kind of thing. But, right. Reality, reality was I was the ringleader of this giant party scene, um, and I was, you know, I was the worst of sinners because not only was I hurting myself, but you know, I was leading other people along too. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you know, I'm making more money than my friends getting out of college, you know, playing on stage, and uh, you got a, I got a condo on the beach, four private beaches. I'm, I'm doing shows in the sand, uh, you know, out of beaches, I'm, you know. From worldly sense, I have the greatest job in the world. I work for six hours a week. You know, I can pull in four grand um, that week, uh, five grand. Just but you know, it's like easy. Right. So, so what's your favorite? Um, uh, what was your favorite go-to set list? If you picked your top three songs, we would, well, of course, maybe you had to do Sweet Home. All right, you had to do Sweet Home. Right. Alabama. Do, I mean, you'd have to do, um, you know, obviously Margaritaville, a lot of Jimmy Buffett stuff. Um, right. And uh, some James Taylor. Man, I mean, that's good music right there, actually. It was great music. It was just, you know, the, it, it was, was the, the scene. The slogan that we had said, you know, the more you drink, the better we sound. The more we drink, the less we care. <laughs> in one of those kind of things, you know? Yeah, so you're in this scene and you're kind of leading the pack. And and, and what, what happens? What changes? Um, a couple things happened. I, um, well, the most important, just for time's sake is, you know, I, I came home, I was looking out my window, I was looking at the water at my, from my condo, it was beautiful out there, and I was just kind of going, man, I have everything, I really, you know, I was just thinking about, like, you know, I have everything you could want, cars, boats, I had a sailboat, fishing boat, you know, beautiful wife, living on the beach, and it just hit me all of a sudden that uh, I was, I was going to go sailing on my boat, and it just hit me that it was a weird feeling of like, you know, I'm kind of bored sailing. I'm kind of bored with that. Hmm. And then I was like, you know, I'll go fishing. And I'm like, you know, I've been fishing three days in a row. I just don't want to go stay. And I, all of a sudden I hit this really spot of like, I'm bored with everything. Hmm. I always say it's like, to the listeners out there, if they've ever been involved like in a big production of something like a play, they get really excited to go, you know, like you can't wait for open night and it's great and the play goes all weekend and then all of a sudden it's over. They wake up the next day and there's this letdown. That was kind of my life of everything that I was doing. <clears throat> I became a skydiver because I was bored. Right. But but I'd hit the ground and be like, now what? Now what? That was my life. I'm like, all right, you had to live for the party because 
without that content high, I was like, dang, I'm not the happiest dude in the world. So, so deep just, down, you're empty. Totally, totally. So uh, um, I was looking out the window, had this thought about, oh, my gosh, and this reality check of like, oh, my gosh, I'm a, I'm a wreck. You know, it was like this enlightened Holy Spirit moment. So like, you know, now most people would self-medicate and drink a lot at that moment and say, all right, I got to find another party. But I just kept thinking about that. And then all of a sudden I felt this pain in my chest and I thought I was having a heart attack and it kind of crippled me to the ground. I really thought I was going to die at that moment. Hmm. Um, and I didn't have a heart attack. I had a panic attack. I never heard of a panic attack before and it just totally crippled me. And I started having them over and over again. And it was like, because uh, everything was just, you know, my whole world was unwinding. And it was, you know, I, I was all of a sudden I was so mad at God because like, I couldn't do anything with these panic attacks. And uh, I look back and it's, they're, they're the greatest gifts I ever received. Wow. Because that's what started my conversion. Made me start thinking, start praying. So then I was like, I've, I've got to find out if there's a God. So I went on this search for God, like an intellectual search for God. I didn't want to just believe because I was having panic attack. I, just, I was like, all right, there's a God. I got to know. I think there's a God, but I got to see if this is real. So I just started reading, searching, studying, and and then had to make the decision to either say yes or no. Wow. So the Lord just started intervening in the midst of this world. And, you know, I'm talking to Sean Forrest, Boise, Idaho, singer, songer, songwriter, musician, evangelist. Um, so you have this conversion, you know, right in the midst, which, which just proves to us that no matter where we are in our life, right, God can, can intervene? Yeah, because, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, I had a conscience. <clears throat> Deep down, I knew things I was doing weren't right, and it started building, you know, and I think God just kept putting pressure on me and uh, wanting that to happen, <laughs> to that, that pop moment because he wasn't going to get my attention any other way, you know? Right. Uh, I was, I had everything I needed worldly-wise, you know, and I, you know, I was delusional thinking, well, I'm a good person, so I'm going to have, you know, and so had, had that moment that happened, I'm not sure when or if a conversion would take place, so, you know, I always tell people, you know, like some of those darkest moments you have can be some of the greatest gifts, so just hold on before you judge too quickly, because I was in a really dark place. Yeah, um, absolutely. Even the courage to, from stage, kind of re renounce the bar scene publicly. <laughs> right. And uh, and uh, from that was the night on stage when I uh, decided not to uh, do this toast I always did in the bar. And uh, and I said, you know, I, I don't want to do this toast. Uh, I want to sing you guys a song I wrote. And I wrote the song about uh, Jesus walking on the water and Peter walking out to him in a bar. And I always tell people this, I go, Speaking, speaking publicly scares a lot of people, but singing publicly can be even more scary, but singing an original is really scary, but singing an original about Jesus in a bar full of drugs, that's pretty horrifying. <laughs> but talk about a bold I, leap, man. So you, you know, have this conversion, and then you begin to, to kind of fade out of that scene, using your gifts and talents, your music, all over the world to preach the gospel and start an, an outreach in Haiti. So when we come back, we're going to talk about what did Sean do with his life and how in the world did you get to Haiti? We'll be right back. It's Paul George Show.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show. We will hear more from our guest, Sean Foster. Here's your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today in studio with myself and Casey Tron. Casey's quiet over there because we've got a wonderful guest today, Sean Forrest on Twitter, the real Sean Forrest, and you can find him at Haiti180.com. Um, Sean, so so I told you who who you look like. Um, who do you, who do you think I look like? Who do you mistake me as? Man, I've been thinking about that. You are so distinct, dude. There's like, um, I would say you look like a mix between <laughs> Patrick Swayze and Rhea Perlman. They won't know who that is, but she played Carla on Cheers. That's amazing. I've, I've been mistaken for a girl before, um, but uh, Patrick Swayze, yeah, dude. I can see that. You know what other people have told me? W- without the muscular build is the Drago from Rocky, the Russian. Oh, yeah. I could see that a little bit. Can you see that? I do. I do see that. Yeah, it's the square jaws that will cut you. My jaws, they will cut yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, talking to Sean Forrest out in Boise, Idaho. Tr- Sean, you travel all over the world. Of course, we're getting into your conversion story, and if we have more time, which I'll have you back one day. We'll get into some more details of how you just transitioned, you know, and begin to have this powerful conversion, begin to use your music um, to preach the gospel and go all over. Uh, but what's fascinating about you, and I want to get into this conversation, which is why I'm, I'm going there, is eventually led you to Haiti. Um, what brought you to Haiti? Well, honestly, it was just like, a, well, obviously it wasn't a fluke. It was, you know, God designed, but um, I I had always had a thing. Uh, I hate loneliness. I hate seeing poor children. It just always bothered me. I was a little kid. I remember seeing one of those things. You know, it's like you know, you, you know, your your one dollar can help feed a kid or something. And I remember seeing the face on the silver ground. It just always bothered me. But I'm like, well, how the heck do you ever help anybody in third world country? You know, right. any money go to them? Actually, blah blah blah. So I told my pastor, you know. Uh, you know, I really feel like called to work with the poor, but like not the poor, but the poorest of the poor. And he goes, Hey, I'm leaving in two weeks for Haiti. If you want to come with, I was like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. I'm like, all right, <clears throat> excuse me. So I went and, uh, you know, got my passport and, and, uh, took off with them on a trip to Haiti. And, and this that was, was my first trip. This is what year? Dude, this is 15 years ago. Okay. So 15 years ago, uh, and because you can't do great math, we'll just say 15 years ago. <laughs> so 2002, how's that? <laughs> oh, for those of you who are listening, Sean and I are friends, so we can joke about that. But the uh, so, so you go to Haiti. I do 15, math goodly. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's 15 years ago, and what is your heart just moved? Like what happened there um, on your first trip? Well, you know, I, I definitely wanted to go to an orphanage. So I went to an orphanage and, um, I was really, I, I had this vision of me showing up from Forrest, the great missionary coming over and all the children, I take away all their problems, fears and cares and, and they're all going to be playing with me. And that's not what happened. I got there and the kids were just kind of sitting there staring at the wall. Hmm. And I, and I was, I asked why. And they said, because, uh, they don't even know really how to play these kids. They were just born just start, you know, into the starving world and they were starving. And basically the caretakers were just, all they had time for, cause they were so busy cause there were so many kids was to give them food 
and to change diapers. So mm-hmm. the kids were just kind of just staring at each other. They had no interaction whatsoever. Um, so I knew, I was like, you know what, uh, this is necessary because supposedly there's a million orphans in Haiti and, uh, uh, out of a country of 9 million, that tells you something. So, so there's 9 I, million um, is the population, a million orphans. God. That's the estimate. Wow. Some estimates that I've read. Um, you know, it's hard to know. You know, sometimes kids aren't truly orphans. Maybe just like one of the parents just gave up on them because like the father died and the mother couldn't feed them and she was starving. So she just, uh, it's just, right. in some of the real impoverished areas, it's, it's, it's brutal. You know, it's, uh, it's it, it's a tough thing. The average lifespan is like fifty three years old. For wow. Gosh. So um, and it is a third world country, you know, uh, and lots it's of poverty. Poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It's it's right off the coast of Florida. It's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Um, so fifteen years ago, you go. Obviously, your heart was moved, and and now you have a ministry called Haiti One Eighty. Exactly. It started. I met uh, a gentleman named Louis Morosny, who is now Father Louis Morosny, and he and I co-founded Haiti 180, and uh, it's down by his village because he's a Haitian, and uh, and he's not talk about an incredible guy. Um, so we were there at a cornfield, and we started praying, and we're like, we're gonna put up an orphanage here in the middle of this, uh, in the middle of the hills in Haiti, and we're like, we don't have, but we're gonna do that. So we just started fundraising. I started doing concerts. Started. Uh, going crazy trying to get it and man lo and behold the orphanage went up and then we put up a beautiful chapel right next to it and then we put up uh, an incredible school um, it's beautiful it has 200 students in it when we're fully funded it'll have 500 that's crazy and um, then we put up we put up uh, a nursing home for the elderly out there and now we're putting up a state of the art medical clinic so we'll, you know, we'll have ultrasound radiology uh, it's going to be really incredible Wow, this is fascinating. You're coming over, dude. Yeah, yeah, and I and I do want to talk about our trip that that we're going on um, this next year. But there's so many fascinating questions I can ask about this story, and uh, to me because I have a heart for the poor, and have been doing mission work and and whatnot. But you know, I certainly have never taken the leap that you have. You know, so you use your platform. You're, you're doing concerts. And it's not like you're you're selling out venues of eighty thousand people. You're doing small concerts in church crowds, and you're raising money to build an orphanage in Haiti. What year did the orphanage start? Man, I need to ask that. It started. Can I just say how many years ago? Wait, yeah, what is it yeah. Now, we, dude, it's so funny. I travel so much. I don't even know what today is. What is today? Bro? I, I don't know. We'll subtract okay. it. Um. So we started about. Seven years ago. Well, whenever the earthquake was, yeah. the day before the earthquake is when we opened, believe it or not. Wow. And so, so our place opened before the earthquake, and then uh, and then our place became uh, basically a uh, refugee camp for hundreds of people who were fleeing the city. Wow. So it was, the, timing was inc- the timing was incredible of it. Wow. So what's the name of the orphanage? Kai Marie. Uh, Kai means house and Marie is Mary. So it's house of Mary. We try to think of what is the, probably the nicest, what's, what's the nicest home you ever could live in. Hmm. And we thought, man, yeah, bless the mother's house. See that. Absolutely. Wow. So you guys raise this money, build an orphanage. Um, the hurricane, uh, not the hurricane, of course, that recently was a hurricane, but the, um, the earthquake hit, which was the biggest, you know, disaster ever. Um, yeah, it was 
horrible, absolutely horrible to the country. But but because you're you're outside of what about an hour outside of Port-au-Prince, right? Um, as the crow flies, yeah, we're like seventy miles, but okay. it takes it takes about four hours to drive there, four to five hours because of the roads, and more. You have to go up into the hills. It's a blast. We got to go through a couple of rivers to get out there. It's incredible. But yeah, we're we're out of the the city. The 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 epicenter wasn't actually in Port-au-Prince. It was a little bit further out, like halfway between us and Port-au-Prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, people in their chairs in our orphanage were all knocked over. It was that powerful. Wow. Wow. Took everybody to the ground, but our, you know, our place stood up. Praise God. Wow. So since then, you guys built the orphanage, and now you have a school, and now working on a medical clinic. Right, and, and homes for the elderly. And that's just a cool story. Can I tell you about it for a second? Yeah. So I'm talking to Sean Forrest, and you want to find out more. It's Haiti. H-I-A-T-I-180, the number 180.com. It's a fascinating website about the mission work they're doing, the orphanage, the school, uh, and now the elderly. Uh, tell me about that. This is just really amazing. So so the people in Haiti up in the hills, they're really poor, and they have to decide sometimes who they're going to feed that day because they don't eat every day. Mm-hmm. So the, they're like, do we feed our children, our grandmother, any, you know, so... When it comes down to who's going to eat that day, obviously the kids take the priority. So the grandma will sometimes go off into her hut and just stay there waiting to die. And mm. out in front of her hut will be a, a, a hole, which is her grave. So she wakes up every day, sees the grave, and she's got this little makeshift coffin above her bed. Are you kidding me? And then, I'm not kidding, it, it's horrible. Um, you, you can see a video on YouTube that we put called Rock for Grandma. And you'll see this one woman. She was... It was just really cool. We showed up, and she was, like, praising God. She's going, you know, I've been asking God to send me some friends, and you showed up. You know, I brought some missionaries from the United States, showed up, and we just befriended her. And then we're like, we got to build a home for the elders. This is get ridiculous. They just can't come out here and die. So we find the worst cases, you know, like on their deathbed. So we go get them and bring them to our nursing home. It was supposed to be a hospice care. Right. We're going to take care of them for the next couple of weeks so they die, so they don't die alone. But here's the deal. The minute they had friendship, <clears throat> got mm. some food, in our orphanage, we'd send the kids over, and all of a sudden they'd be, you know, put the babies in their arms. They didn't die. Wow. They started thriving. So it went from a hospice care to it's a nursing home now because they get to go, you know, they can go to church now, um, and, and they, have a, they, they feel purpose. And if you ever want to... Being as close as you can be to heaven, besides being at the mass, um, you have to come sit with these elderly and listen to them sing and praise God right on the porch. Because if you there, you'll never see a more grateful people in the world. Who are like, I was alone, dying in a hut. Now I'm surrounded by children and a family. It's an instant adopt a grandparent program. My gosh, amazing man! If you're listening, I'm sure your heart's breaking, as is mine. Haiti180.com. Talking to Sean Forrest. Uh, Sean, uh, when we come back, I'm going to ask you a few questions because uh, we have an amazing trip coming up, and I want to learn a little bit more about this amazing mission uh, to the poor uh, in Haiti. It's Paul Giorgio. I'll be right back.
You're listening to The Paul George Show on Breadbox Media. We'll hear more from our guest, Sean Foster. Here's your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the show. It's Paul George. Great to be with you today. Fascinating conversation uh, with Sean Forrest, our guest today from Boise, Idaho. Um, Haiti180.com. You know, Haiti, the poorest uh, country in the Western Hemisphere, which, which I didn't know that that was, you know, the case. I obviously knew that there was lots of poverty there as a third world country. And I've I've been to Central America. I've been, you know, to different places, but I've never been to Haiti, and it's been on my heart for a while. And, Sean, um, you and I are going to Haiti over Easter break, 2017. Yes, we are. I'm pumped, man. It's going to be an amazing trip. Yeah, so... And I want to thank you for saying yes, man. Yeah, well, you didn't... Uh, but you say yes. You certainly didn't have to twist my arm. I've just been waiting for the time that worked. This worked. It's great. I'm excited to, to support, you know, Haiti 180, the orphanage, the hospital, the hospice, the, the, the school there, what you're doing, the, what the Lord's doing uh, there. So, so we want to take a group to Haiti so they can experience um, the ministry there. Um, so you're going to have something on the website soon about the trip, right? Yeah, I'm in the process right now of making our initial commercial, our initial commercial. Um, of you and I, because you gave me some incredible video to be able to put up. I mean, it's breathtaking the video you gave me. Well, but, they, they um, say I have a face for radio, man, so watch out for that video. <laughs> me too, man. <laughs> me too, man. Stay, stay gold, Tony boy. Um, so, yeah, it will be on the website. It's not right now, but if the listener wants to check it out, I mean, they can go on Haiti 180 and then contact us through that and say, I want to go to, you know, just say, hey, I want to call about the Paul George trip to Haiti if they want to go with us because what's going to happen is you and I are going to go and this is um, first time I've ever done this we're taking two national speakers and we can take 20 people that's it right and we're going to bring them on a mission where they get to really encounter the poor it's not just like hey I'm going to build a hut for somebody to leave it's like no we're going to be feeding people it's very personal you're going to be hanging with the children playing with them teaching them how to play you know sports and all that stuff um, but you and I also be doing little seminars on the roof for them, um, training seminars about leadership um, and processing that day. Um, uh, I was just kind of inspired by some kids. I spoke at a student mill and they're like, oh my gosh, I'd get just about anything to go with you on a mission trip. And I was like, well, you shouldn't have to just give anything. It's like, you know, we can make this happen. Right. And then, and the cool part, you know, bringing you along and the two of us leading that, I just think that's a home run. So it's like, come on a mission trip, um, have our own little conference. So we're hanging out. Don't you Don't you wish when you had a big conference, you see some kids who are really into it, that you could be like, man, I wish I could just mentor them for a little bit. Yeah, just be in a small uh, group with them all weekend long. Exactly. Yeah, that, so this is the opportunity to do it. And then I'll tell you, when you're out there on the roof under the stars, you just work with the poor all day. I, the God conversation is just incredible at that moment. Yeah, I'm so excited for this trip. And you can find the information at Haiti180.com. And, you know, the cost for the trip, it covers your cost. It'll all be on there, but it also helps to raise money for the mission. You guys are trying in the poorest country of the world to build a school, a hospital, an orphanage. And this is super, super important. And if you can't go on the trip, go to Haiti180.com and you can become just a monthly partner for the ministry, $15 a month, and you can support the work of Sean um, and Haiti180.com. Sean, thanks so much for coming on the show today, bro. 
My pleasure, bro. Look forward to going on this awesome journey with you. I know, man. I can't wait. All right. God bless. Take care. Man, what a great conversation with Sean. What'd you think, Casey? Yeah, that's incredible to hear that kind of story and to just ponder of his encounter with the poor and and what that does. I actually had an interview um, either a week or two ago with uh, a guy named Mark Broussard, Mm -hmm. who you know he he mentioned your name in the interview, and he was talking about his own encounter with the poor, you know, here in this country. Mark, who's also a musician, also a, a musician, you know, big big name out there, and. Uh, it, it seems to be coming up a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fascinating to me with Sean's story is that certainly he has this powerful conversion, but then you know years later he finds himself opening up an orphanage in the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, which I'm yeah. sure he never thought he would do. And I, I, don't, I just don't know many people who have taken that leap of faith um, to the point where they've built a school, an orphanage, a, a medical clinic, <laughs> in another country, you know, and he's really taken the gospel to heart. You know, when Jesus says, you know, unless you love the least, you know, of my brothers and sisters, you know, and and our call as Christians is to love not only, you know, those around us, but the poorest of the poor in the world and to live in solidarity with them. Well, based off of what you said, there, there's something about this encounter with the poor that seems to be coming up in, in my conversations for this entire year, really. Uh, at the beginning of this year in January, I went to an encounter in New York. It was a big conference. I know the the name's kind of right. buzzwordy, but it, it was a, a cultural conference. And one particular dialogue that they had, it was uh, the president of a nonprofit group called AFSI. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a principal in Nairobi, Kenya, and a professor of political science of Columbia, he was also a historian. And they were the the topic of conversation was the quest to end world poverty, hmm. extreme world poverty. Because right. again, over half of the world lives off of less than two dollars a day. Yeah. And one of the things that, and it was a big conversation, obviously. But one of the things I really took away, especially from the the poli sci major or the the professor, again, he was from Columbia. He was talking about how the work that AFSI did and the statistics that they drew, they were much more successful in just giving and trusting the people and treating them with the human dignity, which is common sense, right? But a lot right. of these nonprofits don't do it. They, they, they overemphasize like the business training and all this stuff. And really all AFSI did was like, here, take this. We know you know what to do with it. Right. You just need that help. Yeah. And it, and was, it was amazing to me. You know, what's what's different, you know, in these third world countries is people aren't looking for handouts. They're looking, they're looking to just get a start. They're looking, right. you know, for food or a job or anything they can do to get out of poverty. And so they're not sitting around, you know, looking for welfare or some type of handout and just sit, sit around, do nothing. We're not talking about we're talking about the poorest of the poor. You know, if you're a household that makes, you know, $50,000 as a household, you're in the top 1% of the world. Right. And it's very hard to work when you've had one meal in the last two days. Right. His story of old people just having their graves outside their hut, just walking. To me, like it, it, it breaks my heart completely. And we're so fortunate in this country. And studies have been done, Casey, that, you know, if everyone gave... Um, there, there are solutions to world hunger. 
you know, and world poverty yeah. that, that everyone could be fed. But the reality is that every day, hundreds of people die um, simply because they don't have food or water. Uh, and that to me is crazy. You know, I, I took a trip to Honduras and, you know, it was heartbreaking to travel to these villages um, in Central America, Honduras, and to see the fact that people are dying just because they simply don't have clean drinking water or water at all. And, you know, this, the simple donation of, of helping a village have a, a water well or a water system saves lives, literally. And people are so poor that they can't even get clean drinking water. For us, I mean, we, we, we fill our bathtubs up mm-hmm. with water and we just soak in them. And I'm certainly not saying don't do that. But what I'm saying is that some people would die to have that, that bathtub of water and be able to live on it. And so this is happening all over the world, and, and Haiti's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, um, and it's literally not far off the coast of Florida, um, you know, which is, you know, crazy to me mm-hmm. that poverty can be around us. And look, we don't even have to travel to other countries to see poverty. We have poverty in our own country. And so I think the question always comes back, and this is what I got out of Sean's uh, interview, is what's our response? You know, like, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can always sit around and say, you know, someone else will do something or, you know, I'll just pray that something happens or I'll pray for people. But Catholic social teaching tells us that we have to take action in loving and serving the poor and living in solidarity with those who have less than us or are different than us. That's the important word, solidarity. Absolutely. Because it's very easy to, to see this and be overwhelmed with just the sheer magnitude of it. Right. Especially when you start right. thinking about these countries like in Asia. And again, like I said, half of the 3.5 billion people live off of less than $2 a day. So you see those numbers and you're like, well, what what can I possibly do? Right. But it's not even about the numbers, not even about the effect. Right. It's about the gift. Yeah, it is. And here's some things that I would say to people that they could do, right? Uh, first of all, they could, they could, uh, they could give. Find an organization where you can give $10 a month, $15, $20, $30 a month that you know that's going to to serve the poor in the country, it's, whether it's Haiti 180, whether it's Catholic Relief Services, whether it's uh, whatever foundation or organization that's going right into the villages too. Uh, you can you can live in solidarity, uh, meaning that that you choose um, in your life to, to relate to someone else who's struggling. So... Maybe you take a cold shower and not a warm bath. That cold shower reminds you to pray uh, for the poor, right? Who who might not even obviously have water that day. So you do little things. Um, maybe you give up, you know, some type of meal, something like that to remind you to live in solidarity. So you can you can give, uh, you can you can live, and then you can you can do something. You can go on a mission trip. You can promote something, and and you can speak on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves. So for us as Christians who are pro-life, we got to be pro-life of everyone, uh, the born and the unborn. And there's poor in the world who are dying and suffering. And it's our role uh, as Christians to actually begin to do something. And so I invite you uh, just to to take hold of that, take hold of your faith, take some action today and uh, and bless someone uh, with your life and what God has given you. This is Paul George. See you next week. God bless.